Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate being able to to spend time with you and, and share this inspiration and creativity and just some amazing things that are happening in the world of learning and education. It's always a privilege, as I said, to be able to bring these sorts of insights to you. Now, just a quick heads up that next week we're going to be doing a kind of a, a look back on what we've covered, what I've learned and some of the real important things that I think 2021 has brought us and, and how that can influence and direct where we're going to head into the into the new year. Now, today I'm chatting to Ashish Fernando and he founded iSchool Connect in 2017 to solve the pain point of many parents and children getting a hassle-free admission in foreign colleges. After going through the same trouble of finding a college to study that fit his needs, Ashish launched iSchool Connect with the vision to democratise the global admissions market for graduate and undergraduate programmes. Now, Through the effective use of artificial intelligence, iSchool Connect aims at being the most cost-effective and advanced solution for connecting students and schools worldwide. Now, in recent weeks and months, we've covered this in a few different ways, and I hope that it's given you a few thoughts and insights into this. It's a question that I've been asked quite a few times, actually, during this year, and I thought it'd be good to have a few different overviews, a few different insights of the best way of going about that, especially if you're involved and have children in your life at this kind of age looking at going to college or university. Now, just before this really interesting conversation with Ashish, here's a quick thank you to our sponsor. The National Association for Primary Education is a non-political UK charity. As Vice Chair, I'm delighted to be hosting six online CPD events to enable you to be supported as educators, no matter where you are in the world. To find out more information, go to nape.org.uk forward slash online hyphen events. That's nape.org.uk forward slash online hyphen events. Hi, Ashish. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. Tell us exactly what is iSchool Connect and, and what's your involvement in it from, I know, that sort of founding beginning, but in terms of how it's evolved now here in 2021. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Mark, for inviting me to the podcast. Extremely excited to talk to you and hello to all your listeners as well. Um, a little bit about me and, and iSchool Connect um, and how we forayed into education, uh, right? So uh, back in 2013, uh, I was a student looking for an MBA program in the US. And I went through three years of, of hard research, trying to find the right program, the right scholarships, what's best fit for me. I wasn't financially that stable. And, you know, all that hard work paid off when I got a one-year MBA with a 100% scholarship in the United States, in the city of Boston, one of my dream cities to live in. And I said, I need to give back. And that's how iSchool Connect was born in my dorm room at Bentley University in the US, where I was advising students on Facebook and I had my YouTube channel, which has about, you know, 60,000 subscribers. And, and I was doing all of this and I said, wait, there's a, there's a real big opportunity here. And we launched iSchool Connect as a very simple consulting company for students and parents and teachers that has now grown into this, 
large organization with about 150 employees, not just helping students, but also helping institutions, helping counselors, teachers, educators in that whole enrollment life cycle. And at the same time, it's not just about having human help, but we've also made sure that we we infuse a lot of technology, right? A lot of machine learning and AI in meaningful ways. Um, and that's what iSchool Connect is about today. We do end-to-end student enrollment and admissions um, globally. And I guess it really, if I'm understanding it correct, it's that kind of here I am looking to, to find a course and I go to every website I get every brochure I find everything I possibly can by a, a, a random online search and there's suddenly no need for that because you have all that experience all those connections all that understanding to help me in in, in one place is that's correct yeah you know it's sort of like uh, if you put it on an xy axis right over time if you plot information right when we started off, when there was no internet, it was hard to find that information. And then you get to a point where now there's information on the internet. I can search for a school and it's great. But then you get to this point where there's so much information that you're confused, right? Too much information actually creates an information silo. And that's the, the time we're living in, right? When a student is looking for a, a simple computer science program, just try running a search on Google, you'll get 5,000 programs, not exaggerating, just in the US, right? Now, how do I find that one program? I have no background in the United States, especially if I'm an international student, right? Or, or when I'm applying to the UK, any country for that matter. And I'm this Indian student. And it says, okay, 5,000 programs available. How do I get to this one program that's really a good fit? The first thing that will come to mind is, I'll go ask an education consultant right down the corner. You search for that online. Again, you're going to find a hundred in your block and then you go to them and then you'll figure out that some of them are partnered with certain schools and they'll promote those schools to you. So there's now so much of this confusion that's getting created. And as a student, once even you, if you get that admit, you're not really convinced that it's the right one for you or not, right? So that's where we said we want to create this unbiased solution for students and parents because that was the issue I faced. I found bias everywhere, right? I would go to a consultant saying, hey, I have a good GMAT score. I have a gold medal in my master's. Um, I want to do an MBA in the US. And the reply sometimes would be, Ashish, why don't you think about the UK though? There are some really good programs. And I say, no, but I come to you with a request that I want to go to the US. And that's when I learned that, you know, some of those consultants were engaged mostly with UK universities. So they're pushing those to me. Uh, and nothing bad in that, but uh, it's not what I dreamt of doing. I dreamt of an MBA in the US, right? So that's what I wanted. So, so that's what iSchool Connect solves, right? It takes out all of those biases of you know admission consulting where there's only some institutions that are partnered no we have everything from a harvard or a cambridge all the way down to a tier three institution and we will use a lot of ai but also a lot of human counseling experts to find that right fit for the student right be it financially we'll even go down to saying hey you're an indian student and 
this school is in Boston. It's going to be snowing there for three months. It may not be the right fit for you because you may not like the snow. How do you feel about that? Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, let's look for programs in Florida and Texas. Uh, right. So so it's really important. These little nuances uh, that also play into that admissions process. Yeah, I love that. Um so just take us a little bit into that sort of relationship between the AI and like I say, the sort of the personal human element to it. So if I, if I come to you, where's that first sort of point of access and, and how does it kind of meander through its path in order to take me into the direction that um, eventually I'm going to find myself? Yeah, that's a great question, Mark. So, um, you know, what we did initially, we spent the first few months saying, how much time does it take for a student or a parent to find the right school and apply and get through the admit process? Uh, it takes close to uh, between 150 to 200 hours, right? It's a long process. And then we said, what parts of these process take the most time? And that's where we said we will first apply AI, right? So, so for instance, the first point uh, where you come in contact with the AI is our program recommendation engine, right? So it will look at the students, um, say if they have a LinkedIn profile or they have a resume or they've just filled up the profile on iSchool Connect. It's going to run all of that information against thousands and thousands of programs globally, right? Then it's going to ask for their preferences. What do they care most about? What country? Um, even, you know, do they care more about uh, the, the level of education at that school, the level of research, or they care more about having fun, right? That's even actually a criteria, right, that we've put. And then our AI will run all of that match and it will spit out about nine or 10 programs on the screen, right, out of the thousands. Um, and it puts them in three buckets, dream, reach, and safe. Right? So a dream program is where it says, Mark, there's less than a 10% chance that I think you'll get into this program. But hey, why not? Because there's still a 10% chance. And it's a really good program. All the way down to a safe program where it says, Mark, there's more than an 80% chance that you'll get into this program based on the students like you who have gone to that school based on your profile. Right. So that's the first point where they, where they experience some of the AI. And then after that, there's there's a lot of other uh, places as well. Like, for instance, when you're writing your essay, there's an AI right when you're typing there. It's looking at what you're writing. And, uh, you know, this is some of the magic that even surprises me. Right. There's like, wow. So it's it's uh, looking at your essay and it's saying, Mark, you haven't really written about why you're interested in this program or Mark. I see that you have two years of work experience, but you haven't written about that in your essay, right? We thought, why wait for a human counselor who'll take about two, three days to go through all of that and give you that analysis when we could put an AI that's literally saying that to you when you're writing, when you're in that mindset. Uh, and so you edit, right? And, and it's phenomenal. A lot of our students just love I love that tool, right? So, so those are a few other places. And then we got chatbots and, you know, admissions interview AI and a bunch of those things built along the way. 
Yeah, so so you've covered so much of the stuff, like you say, that can just be filtered out and given you direction based on all of those things that you've discussed before you then even need to speak to someone who can then, I guess, fine tune it or give you those sort of personal details that you would need towards the end there. Absolutely, yeah. You know, we whenever anyone talks about AI, I always try to see if they're having humans in the loop, right? Today, AI is not developed to a point where it can run autonomously, right? You know, think Tesla. Even a Tesla cannot run on the road autonom- like, autonom- fully autonomous, right? It's not possible because there's so many variables. It's the same with AI. So first, the student or the parent will see, okay, great. I get these 10 really quick fire options within a matter of seconds, right? As humans, they need that instant gratification. So the AI does its job. It gives them that instant gratification. And then immediately after, they're talking to a human expert, right? Who says, okay, let's look at what our AI did. Okay, great. Here's some suggestions that I think are are good for you. And now let's have that conversation and figure out what's the right set of schools to apply. So absolutely, every time we have AI involved, It's only to make sure we can give results fast and then immediately after we have a human person involved in that conversation. And and how do you go about that kind of, you said that sort of global um, element of it? So you've got people from all around the world able to to take part and, and decide where they want to go. And I guess vice versa, you've got colleges and universities who are looking for international students to come as well. So how do you go about sort of, not marketing it, but but kind of sort of having that sense of, okay, well, we can talk to you as a as a student who's based in India, for example, or we can talk to you as a student based in Spain, as, as, as opposed to, you know, in America, for example, so that you sort of get that kind of that kind of cultural, I guess, element in there to, to make it fit and into that everyone feels comfortable and, and in a, feeling like they're in, a, in their best position. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, the magic of network effect is what we saw last year, right? So we spent the first two years building the product thinking, yeah, we've spoken to a few students, parents, institutions, and we think they really need this, right? And of course, it it comes from Ashish's um, dream and background and all of that. So great. Yeah, we started building it. But then we relied completely on organic growth, right? We never spent a dime on on Google ads or Facebook ads, we just let it out there. We saw what happens and we we were just surprised. So uh, last year, uh, we we saw that we we were about 80% of our traffic was from India, right? But that has changed dramatically without us even doing anything elsewhere, right? So today about 60% of our traffic is from India, but then the remaining 40% is is, uh, from other countries globally. Uh, And it will remain that way because of the number of students in India, right? Uh, But it's just the network effect. It's a student in India who probably got a successful admit to a school in America coming here and telling some of their friends, hey, look at this platform, right? And then it's slowly growing to a point where today about 15% of our traffic is from the U.S., uh, student traffic from the U.S., we didn't even do a single ad, a single bit of social media campaign, nothing in the US, right? So it's just the beauty of the internet, Gen Z and the network effect that has helped us grow uh, globally. 
And the thing that I really like about that is the fact that there are so many kind of traditional business elements there aren't there like you say the, the thing that you would have done 200 years ago is i've just been to for this service and i loved it let me tell you about it and then all the people they've told go to it so the fact this happens to be an online thing but it still takes that kind of personal recommendation it's people having a great experience with whatever it is that you're selling or providing or whatever service it happens to be and people tell people and like i say because we're in this sort of global economy now of being able to to network and and to just be online across multiple countries it just yeah it just is it just is possible to do that but with those still sort of traditional i guess they're sort of human needs in terms of wanting to share positive things and wanting people to have a great experience oh absolutely and you know because most of our listeners are today our parents and teachers this is another angle that we've seen uh, in the last two years or so is teachers in schools counselors uh, who experienced our platform at some point are now giving it to their entire classrooms, right? Entire batch of students who are graduating from either high school or undergrad saying, hey, here's a great platform for you to use, right? And in a lot of those cases, our students don't even need to pay for our platform. There's also a free plan. So student, uh, parents and teachers are actually great promoters of the platform once they see and experience uh, what what they can do for their students when it comes to international um, study abroad experiences and admissions, right? It's an all-in-one-place kind of tool. So, so that's helped us a lot. We're signing up schools at least one every week or so uh, for them to officially use iSchool Connect for their students for study abroad. So that's been a, a good shift for us in the last uh, year, year and a half. And you talk about this sort of organic growth and, and this sort of just sort of natural blossoming, really, of what it is that you've um, that you've created. Did you have a, a sort of a strategic vision early on in terms of we'll you know we'll start with India, then we'll go here and we'll go there, or has it kind of surprised you in in ways that you didn't really expect? Yeah, my you know my investors are going to hate this answer of mine, but no, we did not have a strategic <laughs> plan. <laughs> uh, to be honest, we said we know there's a gap in the market that we need to fill. But how the platform has evolved has basically been us getting continuous feedback from our customers, right? So things like, yeah, on the essay grading, we need an AI. Okay, that's because we saw that, again, once we put the platform in place, a lot of our time was spent in that phase of the process, right? Students were, you know, at a time we would get like a... a, a, few tens in the beginning, but now a few hundred essays in one day that we need to now review and give feedback on. It's just humanly impossible unless you have a team of 50 people, uh, right? But then we cannot hire that fast. And then once that admission cycle goes down around the month of April or May, what do you do with those 50 people? They don't have work, right? So, so these are things that we learned from our customers. And we said the best way to tackle this is to put an AI there to streamline some things. And can we build that AI? So we have a machine learning team that's just phenomenal, right? They, they're not scared to experiment. And I gave them that challenge of, hey, you know, and I've done this to them quite a few times now already. Is, hey, here's a challenge for you. We cannot hire too many people to do this job because 
it's only needed for four months and then there's no work. Go build an AI that can tackle most of this. And, and they do a phenomenal job. I mean, uh, so that's that's been our approach to product building, right? No real strategy, strategy as such, but, um, you know, moving with the uh, with the wind. Uh, yeah, and, and I guess yeah. sort of fi- fixing those elements or those problems or 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 filling those gaps that you see as you go through. And I guess that that makes perfect sense because I guess when you start these things, you think, well, there's there's me, there's the person that's been here and done it and needed this, and I've created it, which would have solved my problem. Um, and then you're going to have another sort of ten or a hundred or a thousand people, but they're all going to be you, but in a slightly different way. Which I guess sort of just has that <laughs> that, that that sort of oh, it, it worked in this scenario, but this scenario needs a slightly different thing, and then, and then a slightly different thing. And so the more like say the oh, more feedback every you student get. is different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Every student is, even if they are siblings, and they have the same parents and the, you know the same school and everything, but when it comes to what next they are so different. Yeah. So, mm. uh, and that's where I think human humans will always be part of this process, right? A lot of times I get this question, Ashish, you're, you're thinking so much AI. Will there be a point where everything is just automated and just run by computers? No, it's, this is not, uh, you know, like driving an autonomous car, or this is not like finding, uh, you know, going on kayak.com and searching for hotels and and places no this is about your child's future it's it's about the money that you spend and it's a lot of money it's not just a simple vacation kind of money right it's hundreds of thousands of dollars and i think there will always be a need for that human support uh, to make sure that all these little nuances of each student all these differences are taken care of but yeah. that common factor which is at the bottom yeah of course the ai can do that all day all night yeah it just made me think of a, a sort of a um a, a car um assembly plant it's that kind of you know we don't need a hundred people to lift the the chassis of the car into place and do all that you know we've got the robots we've got the technology to make sure that all that stuff can just be repetitive and done and done and done what i want is that human element just to kind of finely tune the the leather on this particular seat or make sure yes. the stitching is kind of there and and you can kind of see why that sort of those similarities kind of work from what you've been saying like say the repetition and all the things which can just be taken care of probably at a better level than you can as, as a human but then like say you put it really nicely those sort of nuances in that fine tuning just to kind of really make sure it's got that personalized edge yeah perfect uh, analogy i think yeah when you buy especially these you know super fancy cars right like you buy yeah. a rolls royce yeah you pay thousands of dollars but yes the base of the car is built and then there's literally a person who hand makes a lot of those little lines the stitches and then they actually sign off on the car saying hey i did this car right so yes that's that human touch and yeah and rolls royce has all the money to put automation if needed but that's the piece where you cannot really automate and and get the best out of it Yeah, yeah for sure um, I really find it interesting. You talk about the kind of the, I guess, the academic year sort of highs and lows in terms of the work rate and, and the process of it. So you sort of mentioned that sort of four months kind of um, being busy and getting ready for term and all that kind of thing. So take us sort of through that process. You sort of said the sort of the 100, 150, 200 hours that you need. Um but does that change in terms of um, admissions in different countries, depending on obviously when their academic years start and that kind of thing? So talk us through that sort of element a little bit. 
Sure, sure, absolutely. So, you know, by nature, 80% humans are procrastinators. <laughs> so even though we would love for everybody to start working on their apps for the next year by, you know, like March or April of this year, uh, at least a year in advance, but no, you'll have almost 80% people all around that September, October mark who are waking up now saying, oh my God, I need to get my admissions applications in for the fall term, right? Or in the Northern Hemisphere, the fall term is around the September, the, the August-September intake, which is the which is the largest intake of the two, right? The next one is the Jan intake or the spring intake, as it's called, um, but there's fewer applications there, right? So for the fall or the September intake, if you want to be lucky with scholarships, if you want to get the best bang for your buck and for your time and effort, your admissions application needs to go in before January. Right. So say coming January, Jan 2022 will be the you need to submit for September 2022. Right. To get the best because round one of admissions will typically close around that time. So so we'll have a lot of students waking up end of September saying, oh, yes, I, I need my apps in by January. But hey, you only got three months. You got to prepare for your tests, be it a GRE, a GMAT, SAT, you name it. Right. It takes time. You need to research your schools. You need to get transcripts. Uh, you need to apply for scholarships. People think, even parents actually, a lot of times, because they've never sent a kid, a child abroad to study, or right? They think, oh, I have time. It's September, so I can start working somewhere in Feb or March. No, absolutely no. You have to start at least a year in advance, minimum, right? So, so like right now is our busy season. All of our counselors are admissions people or salespeople, they're just busy tackling calls after calls after calls. So I was talking to my counseling team um, last week, late last week, and they said, Ashish, students don't care about our personal time. They'll text us at 11 p.m. at night just because they're awake, you know, having fun with their friends. They think we will be awake too. And they text, hey, hi, counselor, what about this? So they're busy all weekends uh, around this period. And then come uh, March, it will start going down again, right? Because uh, we will have two rounds of applications completed. That's how most schools work is around January, the first round will get over around Feb or March, the second round gets over. And then you get into the third round where now the chance of getting scholarships goes down, you know, things go down. Um, all this is kind of flipped for the the southern hemispheres so australia new zealand right for them fall happens when it's it's spring for us here so the seasons are flipped but the the workload is still the same so yeah so about you know march through september is, is sort of a, a lazy period for us <laughs> and then it, it picks up and yes yeah, so there'll be calls calls after calls and if our counselor doesn't re reply within you know two microseconds, then there's a review on Google saying, hey, they didn't reply to me. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. So no, not to mention well. time zones and all of that kind of thing as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, you're right. Yeah, actually, that's another thing. Yeah, sometimes students in, uh, in a country where we don't have presence, so like US, UK, India, we have a presence. 
in in Southeast Asia, we have a presence. But say suddenly there's a student from Singapore who sends a message. They assume that, yeah, they need to respond to me in my time zone. But hey, you know, the counselor is still sleeping. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all these things are important learning um, strategies for the people, I think, taking part as well. And it also reminds me of this sort of idea of work-life balance. And 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 a few times it's comes up. I mean, just think actually it's much more about work-life harmony. Because uh-huh. in, in, you know, in this particular example, you know what you know, it's always going to be busier for this amount of months in the year, and we know that in these amounts of months, it's going to be less. So, you know, while like say you're going to have boundaries in place and all those kind of things over the course of the year, you have some kind of harmony, knowing that you're going to ebb and flow. And I think for teachers, it's the same. You know, when there are exam times coming up, when it's um, maybe a festive season and you've got lots of extra demands on your time it's going to be busy there's there's no way around that but you also know that that's going to ebb and flow as in other parts of the year as well so I think that kind of harmony of the bigger picture is something which is quite a good thing to keep an eye on rather than I'm only working this number of hours in any given day or it's going to look like this across an entire season because we just know that's not the case. Yes, yeah, absolutely bang on. And, and you know, the, the challenge for us as humans is when you're in the busy period, you think work-life balance, oh, yeah, there's too much work, there's, you know, less time for my personal life. But then when you're on the flip side, you don't talk about it. When there's a little more time for your life and less for work, then, you know, it's, it's normal. So, yes, uh, with our counseling teams and with our sales teams, we make sure to have those conversations, right? And they've been phenomenal, right? So they know that these three or four months, yeah, it, it is going to be hard, but then the organization takes care of me, right? They, they get it. So uh, we'll, we'll make sure that they get compensated for those extra hours and, and all the time that they're spending. And we'll also make sure that when, when it's a lazy season, they actually get some time off. They don't have to be in office Monday through Friday, you know, nine to five. No. So we'll make sure that we adjust all of those things for our employees. And, and that's how they stay happy. Yeah, absolutely, and and that and that that must feel to three, mustn't it? In terms of the relationship they then have with the with the people that are going through the application process and all of that kind of thing, it's like you know, we know that sort of environment and that idea is is so key to a happy work life and and a home life and all those things. So it sounds great. It sounds like you've got all those things uh, in place really nicely. Let's just. Um, wind into into some of your slightly younger educational experience because it's always fascinating to me people sort of create something in the education world based on what they might have experienced when they're younger you know, is there a <laughs> is there a teacher or sort of a, an education sort of um experience or memory that sort of still sort of reminds you or strikes you as something which maybe sort of helped you in terms of how you wanted this vision to come into light <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were a couple of experiences that have sort of etched themselves in my mind. Uh, but, you know, as a as a kid going to school, I first of all, I enjoyed going to school. Right? I, I enjoyed meeting my friends and, and studying there. Uh, and uh, and I was successful. I was a I was a head boy in the school in my, in, you know, my final years. Uh, but a few experiences really shaped me, right? So, so one being um, when I was, I think this was my eighth grade or so, and uh, and I used to be a 
for you know that's there's always this phase in your student life when you're not interested in studies right and then you come back and then you pro- you hopefully come back <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. yeah fingers <laughs> crossed eh? every parent yeah. going hopefully <laughs> so you know it was that phase of my life where it was like ah no i don't know if studying is leading to anything right so i was a backbencher and you know more focused on on other things and um and i wasn't really focusing on my classes and there was this teacher of mine who said i I don't know ashish what's uh what's going on with you because you used to be very focused you used to sit on the first few benches uh, but now you're sitting at the back and you're, you know, playing with some stuff here and there. You're not focused uh, to a point where she got so annoyed with me that she made me every time she would come for the lecture, I was supposed to go out of the class and stand outside. Right. Because because she thought I was disturbing other students. And for a month I was standing outside and it's really embarrassing, especially, you know, when I, I was used to studying well and 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 my my peers looked up at me uh and uh, it was a month uh you know and my parents uh so i went to a catholic school and i was born and raised catholic and and i knew the priests really well right so i was like oh my god it's been a month and this teacher is doing this to me so i went and complained to our principal the priest uh, and uh and he said, oh, okay. And he knew my parents well and everything. So he told the teacher, no, you got to take him in. Uh, right. And I said, yes, that's a win. Right. Uh, she told me something very important. She said, Ashish, I, I'd never meant for you to stand outside the class for a month. All I was looking for was to you to come to me and say, ma'am, I'm really sorry. And I think uh, I, I'm going to try and improve. But you never did that for a month. You had your ego in place. You were okay to go and stand outside, but you never felt the need to come and tell me that you're not feeling okay about it and you want to go back in and you, that you're sorry or something. And and it taught me a very important lesson, actually. Right. So um, yeah. now the way I operate in the business and the way I operate with people is I always never hold anything inside of me right if i feel something i'll tell it even if it's a customer right there are times when we'll talk to an institution and we'll do the whole thing and they'll say we love this product and blah blah everything is great and uh and i'll if i feel that they think oh the money is too much like they don't want to pay so much or whatever i'll just say it straight up front and it makes my life so easy uh Right. It's either a yes or a no. And and people feel uh, comfortable when, you know, you put your guard down and you just bring that pink elephant right to the center of the room and you talk about it. And and it's one of the best uh, sort of lessons I ever learned in life. Uh, And the best part is when I went back after so many years, I go back to my school because, you know, I love what it has done for me. And I met this teacher. And I said, do you remember what you did to me in eighth grade and, and this happened? And she just started crying. She said, no, no, I don't remember any of that, but you did. And you still keep it in your heart till now. I'm really sorry. And I said, no, don't be sorry. I am actually happy that you did that because today I apply that very simple single lesson I learned to everything I do, which is just say it out. Yeah. 
I, I, I love it. And, and I think it also just filters through as a way of being with everyone else because you know what's in front of you is true and real and authentic. And so therefore it relaxes everybody, I think. There's no sort of second guessing or or having to think around something which you're not quite sure. Um, and, and, and I, th- I think yeah. that's really important. And, and the other thing I really liked about the fact that your teacher didn't remember is the fact that there's always two people in any given situation and you never quite know what your part of it is for that other person you know you can do things in 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 a certain way because you think it's going to teach a lesson or or it might be something which you think is important but you don't know how the other person's going to take it and you might not understand one particular person but it's giving them something which you would never know and so it's yeah. that kind of unknown relationship and those un- unknown lessons that are going on, which I think are fascinating. And it's one of those things, I think, whenever you sort of get a little bit stuck with those things, you just have to take a step back sometimes and just go, yeah, I don't know. But it, in the long run, it, and I think to have that kind of conversation, like you said, many years later is really interesting in terms of sort of being able to yeah. sort of really have a bit of clarity with that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, the only challenge there is, right, sometimes it backfires. <laughs> <laughs> Because, right, because sometimes that same student me could have gone the other way and it would it could have impacted me negatively. But yeah, so it all it's I think also a balance of how positive the person is and how they take it. Because sometimes, you know, I'll have some conversations with employees thinking, oh, yes, I'm going to be a little hard on them. But in the end, they're going to learn and then they're going to come out of this thinking, Ashish, I'm so happy we had that hard conversation. But sometimes I'll see those employees going in in negative space, saying, oh, Ashish doesn't believe in me or, you know, like something that is slightly negative and that's not what I would intend for it to be. So I think that's the balance that's so hard to strike uh, as humans. And and I guess that's the whole thing about personalized learning, isn't it? You know, what you would say to one person in exactly the same situation is different than the next person because like I say you hopefully you get to know them when you understand them I think especially as teachers as well you know having that sort of breadth of knowledge of of the people that you're teaching and being able to sort of gear that sort of emphasis in in that particular way oh yeah you know I I respect and I salute all teachers a lot of people undermine the job that they do saying oh yeah they use teaching aids and they use all of these things and what you know no but it's so hard now you have 50 students in the room every student is different their expectations are different and it's really hard and and they do that you know day in and day out and and especially you meet almost any teacher you meet they're always this you know calm and uh, personality and soft-spoken and it's it's great i mean it's a profession i really admire i I don't think i'll be good at it at all (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And see, I think you're right. I think everyone should maybe have the a day in a life of just to fully appreciate <laughs> what, what yeah. the entire day goes. <laughs> um is there any advice you've been given which you which you'd like to share, or maybe something that you'd like to share with your younger self which you think might be uh, important for you? <laughs> yes. I mean honestly, uh Mark, where I am today and the, and the way I, you know, when I look in the mirror, uh, I feel content uh, with what I have done and the way I uh, I look at my life and the life of people around me, right? So um, I'm really blessed, actually, and honored that I had the, the kind of mother I have, the, the kind of teachers I've had who've shaped me into what I've become. 
but if I had to give one advice, uh, it would probably be this, right? I think as a, as a young child, I feel uh, other than studies and academics and all of that, which I think are really important, even though a lot of people today think, hey, it's not really important anymore. Uh, but other than that, I think it's important to have one sport that you're really good at and one musical instrument that you're really good at, right? So I got everything except the sport piece. So I would tell my younger self to push on, on one of those activities and, you know, make it a thing, not just to compete and, you know, get the Olympic gold. No, I'm not talking about that, but something that you really look up, you wake up and you say, oh, I want to go run or I want to play soccer or football, right? Uh, I think that's really important from a physical activity perspective and it keeps your mind fresh and, you know, keeps you younger. So I would tell that to my younger self. And then the second is a musical instrument, which luckily, you know, I pushed myself to learn the guitar. So, uh, you know, I play bass guitar. I, at some point I was in, in bands, I was part of three bands and, and I think a musical instrument is, is really so good to calm yourself down, you know, like in the evening when there's too much going on in my life, I'll just push everything aside, put my phone on silent, pick my guitar up and play and it calms me down. So I think, you know, to my younger self, I would have said, push on, on football. You need to get better at it and, and <laughs> get better at football. Cause today I don't, um, I ski a lot, but, uh, I don't have a sport that I'm proud of saying, you know, I'm really good at it or something like that. So yeah, so that's probably what I would say. Yeah, I love that. And I and I and I think it's really important, especially for those people like say at school and then and then maybe going into an undergrad or whatever, because it's very easy to lose that, isn't it? You sort of when you're very young, you have this sort of much more of a sort of a balanced approach because you you've got access to lots of things and trying these things out. But it's very easy yeah. just to become a bit more blinkered and just those things to disappear and I think for all those reasons that you said they're really important from a health point of view from a personality point of view from just a, a whole sort of balanced personality I think it's really really important so yeah I love that I've never heard that before yeah. perfect and having both sides of those coins I think is really key yeah we know playstations are taking over playgrounds yeah for sure, for sure. <laughs> a lot of and, kids um, these days are just on their yeah, playstations yeah and they and they yeah. probably turn around and say that you get both of those things there the sport element and the music element although they're still sat down just looking at the screen but that's a whole different podcast and different yeah podcast. yeah exactly and also for parents i mean you know credit to my mom and dad they never pushed me to become number one right number one at a sport or at an instrument they said hey you learn it you do what you can but just to keep yourself happy and engaged. You don't mm. have to become number one. But a lot of parents will say, oh yeah, you gotta go singing or play an instrument because I wanna see you on uh, Britain's Got Talent. You know, That's too much pressure. Mm. <laughs> it's great if the kid happens to have that talent and get on stage at Britain's Got Talent, but that's not really the, should be the purpose, I feel. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and just <laughs> as, we, as, as we wind up, is there um, a, a resource or something that you'd like to share with us and this can be any wine ranging whether it could be a song a video a film a podcast a book anything which has sort of really had an impact on your life that you think might also <laughs> be supportive for others yeah i think uh so i'll, I'll give you one uh 
sort of a general reference and one uh, for businesses, right? So uh, I have two actually. So generally speaking, um, I'm a huge fan of Rhonda Bryan and her work on The Secret. So she wrote the book, uh, uh, The Secret. And I read this because, you know, a friend of mine, back then I did not, you know, believe in the in the power of the universe and things around you and, and how they influence your mind. And But there's this friend of mine who pushed me. She said, no, you got to read this book. And I said, yeah, I'll read this book. Okay, fine. And then I implemented some of the things I read in that book, right? So for instance, something as simple as a, as a vision board, right? So when I wake up in the morning, there's this board I look at and it just simply has a bunch of pictures, pictures of things I want to achieve in this year, right? Be it financially, be it, you know, from a family standpoint, or I want to go to this vacation or get a car or whatever. And and then I just look at it every morning and and I program myself and I tell my mind, okay, we got to achieve all these things, which means we got to do two things. We got to work hard and we got to be honest. And it just, it's a simple kind of uh, action I take every morning, but it helps me so much. And uh, I've actually got a lot of those things that I put on my vision board uh, just because I'm programming my mind towards it and then automatically it drives my actions, right? It drives me to work. Uh, it drives me to to spend time with my wife, for instance, because, you know, also on my vision board is that I want to have a happy work-life balance. And, and um, yeah, I, I think that's that would be something I would tell uh, people is um, read it and don't go too deep into it. Don't double click it to see, hey, you know, will this really work? What do you mean the universe and things? No, it's actually just a state of mind, right? It doesn't matter if there's there's that external power of God or not, or you're an atheist or it really all doesn't matter. In the end, the power is inside of you. When you know that there are a few things you want to achieve, it's about how you channel your mind and your body to get make those things happen and and that's the the one uh, example i would share fantastic right. and and a quick side note uh, on businesses um this company i used to work for hcl the ceo wrote a book and it's now a harvard business case uh, and the book is called employees first customers second right and it's that whole notion of First, think of your employees. First, think of what they want and what makes them happy. And think of customers second, right? It's a play because essentially, if you think of your employees, they will automatically think about your customers and your customers are going to be happy. But I learned so much out of that book. So from a business standpoint, that would be my reference. Fantastic. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think it is that kind of, because they're also your, your immediate interaction, aren't they as well? You know, they say it's back to that environment in that kind of where you want to be with people. And yeah, so, so, so important. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So tell people where they can find out more about you and, and get in contact and, and be part of uh, My School Connect. Oh, great. Yes. Thank you. That's uh, that'll be a shameless plug right now. And uh, you can find us on www.ischoolconnect.com. Uh, that's the letter I followed by school and the word connect, ischoolconnect.com. Uh, personally, you can also 
uh, find me on YouTube. Um, I, I, my channel is called The Global Survival Guide, where I just give tips and tricks on study abroad and how to live life abroad. And please sh uh, share and subscribe there. But yes, of course, if you connect through iSchool Connect, you can register for free, get a lot of resources. If you're a student or if you're a parent or counselor trying to send your child abroad or looking for options abroad, or within your country and, and what's the next best thing. You can talk to us, you can have a 20 minute free consultation. You can get a ton of resources and blogs uh, around studying abroad. And of course, if if needed, you can connect with me and my team as well. So that's uh, that's a quick thing about iSchool Connect. Fantastic. Well, Ashish, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your time and your experience with this. It, it's fascinating. And and I can imagine so many people listening who can think, oh, right, I can I can really picture that whole kind of next um, part of my life and, and how I can go about achieving it. And I think that's the biggest thing and the biggest gift of it. So yeah, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Mark, for giving me the opportunity. It was, uh, was a great conversation and hope to connect again. Thank you so much for listening. It's such a pleasure to be able to bring you such wisdom and inspiration. If I could ask you to do one thing, please share this podcast with one other person just so that we can really make the most of our ripple effect of being able to just reach as many people as possible. And that way we can make the biggest difference in the world. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to know more about the community and how to get involved, please go to educationonfire.com forward slash fire. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.